Welcome back, everybody, to Spear Addicts. I appreciate you coming in and listening. Um, we're going to have Taylor from Norville Central on again, as usual. And we will have uh, Jay Zell on a little bit later. He's finishing up practice, and he's on mountain time, so it's only like six-something there. So we'll have him on a little bit later to kind of catch up on what he's doing in his season, and we'll also get his outlook and what he thought about the game uh, that Florida State played against North Carolina in and won. Um, usually I turn it over to Taylor pretty quick to let him do his part first. This time I'm going to bust his balls a little bit and say that my score prediction was better than his. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty much what I want to do. I wanna, I've, I've been getting a pretty good amount of comp, uh, compliments and comments on um, our Spiratics group on Facebook telling me that they all thought that my score prediction was really nice uh, beforehand, but they really thought it was nice after because literally there was uh, just a couple points in difference of what I said. I said 33 to 27 or 28, something like that. And my score, the score ended up being obviously, uh, what was it, 35 to 25. So I wasn't off by too much. Um, it pretty much went the way that I thought it was going to go as long as we ran the ball. Um, I didn't plan on Jordan Travis running the ball as much as he did, but I'll take whatever they want, whoever wants to run it, run it. Um, I was very impressed with a particular play uh, from Ward um, where it, I guess it was third down and he was basically hitting the back. He did a spin move so he didn't get hit in the backfield. Then he made two other people miss. This was late in the game. Um, just to keep running that clock out. I was really impressed with the way he ran the whole ball game. But that particular run, uh, I think I think we needed three yards or something to get a first down. That pretty much ended the game where we could start knowing, going into pretty much victory formation. Um, Jerry and Jones with his interception, um, he made a really good play on that ball. Uh, it's probably the best I've seen him play the position, period. So, I was really impressed with pretty much our secondary for the most part. Um, I'm still really high on uh, Cindy Williams, which Taylor has brought him up. He probably brought him up way before I even knew who he was. Um, and he told me, he, you know, to look out for this particular guy, and uh, he's going to be something. You know, I'm thinking, you know, next year he'll be, you know, really good. Uh, I really like the way that he's growing into his position. Um, Again, I think Jamie Robinson had a solid game in the secondary. Uh, and you, I can't – I couldn't put my finger on really that there was only one target toward whoever Brownlee Jr. was uh, covering from what I've read anyway. Um, that was surprising because most teams have, you know, tried to go real deep at least once on him. Usually he gets uh, burnt at some point. <clears throat> Um, I didn't see him get burnt one, so maybe that's why they didn't go his direction. Uh, so I'm really impressed with the way this – I thought the secondary stepped up really well. I also think that the linebackers could have played better than they did, but for most part, uh, they did a pretty good job at filling the gaps when they were trying to do draw plays with the running back. Uh, I, think, I think something with these offenses have figured out that – our linebacker, our linebacker core isn't well enough to spy on the quarterback because Sam Howell does not run the ball like that. 
so that, if that was to say there's something negative, I'd like to see our linebackers or whoever we're going to use to spy on quarterbacks. Uh, I would like to see us uh, improve there for sure. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of complaints about our wide receivers. Uh, there was actual separation, uh, especially with uh, Wilson. Um, I think the I think the separation was helped by the fake of the screen. I also think it was helped because they were so worried about Jordan taking off that he was so wide open that I think literally Jordan could have underthrown him by four yards and he still would have scored a touchdown. So I was really impressed with the way that our whole team came out and played four quarters. Uh, I'm not going to lie to anybody when we got down 10 to nothing in the first quarter. Uh, early in the first quarter, I was really I was like, wow, okay, this is not even another Wake Forest game. This is not what I predicted at all. Uh, I actually planned on us being down at half, though. Uh, still, the score prediction was still the same, but I still planned on us being down by three at halftime. And that never happened. We had one hell of a second quarter. And then for the, the rest of it, I, you know, everybody was talking about the plays that Dillingham calls or the plays that Fuller calls or the plays that Mike Norvell himself calls. Uh, I, I don't have too, too many complaints on the play calls. Uh, I think that it felt like at one point in the game that Florida State offensively could pay, basically call whatever they wanted and have their way with it. Uh, so I was impressed, obviously, with the offense. Defensively, we could have done better. Uh, so, I mean, there's always room to improve. Uh, the, the main thing is, uh, I don't think that they will, but I don't want us to have another Jackson state, uh, or Jacksonville state, excuse me, um, mishap to where we come off of a good win and then take somebody lightly because they're supposed to be lesser than we are. Unfortunately, UMass has gotten their first win. And I don't know, 10 years, whatever it's been to be completely honest, but they did beat Connecticut which was also winless, but they wasn't supposed to beat them. Um, like, if, if you were betting, no one betted for UMass to win that game, I don't think. Uh, so I don't want us to go in there and take them lightly just because they're UMass and because they're pretty much just horrible. Uh, but when you come and play a team like Florida State and you're, you're UMass, you're probably going to get the best game out of that team that you've ever seen. Uh, so it's their Super Bowl or their national title game, whatever you want to call it, just like it was Jacksonville State or whatever. Uh, it was definitely their Super Bowl when they played against us and beat us. So you don't let those types of teams hang around. You pretty much show them who's in charge up right in the beginning so that doesn't happen. And I don't foresee us doing that. I, again, I think what I said previous uh, week where I said that I want to see how you respond off of a win because I think winning becomes addictive. And once winning becomes addictive, you pretty much do everything in your power not to lose. Uh, with that, I will let Taylor get into more of the details of the game statistically. That's his thing. He does really well at it. Uh, sometimes I try to take some statistics before he does or hope that he misses something, which normally doesn't happen. Yeah. But I try. Um but with that, I'm going to let Taylor take over, and we'll then go back and forth. A little bit later on, like I said, Jay Zell will be on, so stick around for it. Uh, he is a 2023 quarterback, 
and now Florida State, or he definitely has Florida State's attention at this point. So just stick around and see what he's got to say. Uh, Taylor, go ahead. Yeah, so I want to address one of the questions that you have from Lawrence on the uh, YouTube channel. Um, he said that about Toko, he needs to get in the game more, uh, kind of what's going on with him right now. He's really struggling just in terms of uh, finding a game plan for him because typically you see a lot of Corbin and Webb. Uh, that's kind of the committee they really enjoy. Um, you're, you're still going to see uh, Toa Philly kind of in the tailback position at the slot receiver and as a uh, running back in the backfield. You saw him on a couple of carries. Didn't He didn't really affect anything. Um, it was more just along the lines of play action, and they were able to kind of get out of it. Um, I think once he kind of gets more integrated into what he's doing and kind of find a role for himself, I think that'll be a lot better for him. But, I mean, when you have Ward and Corbin that were just going, you know, pretty much four yards, five yards a carry, it's kind of hard to put him in the game, especially with that. Um, you see a guy like DJ Williams, he didn't get to play. Um, you know, at least Toe Philly saw about five or four snaps. Uh, but overall, I wouldn't really worry too much about it. I know that uh, just on an off topic, um, Brian Robinson did announce that he was going to be entering the transfer portal. This was mainly because of early playing time was not really there for him. And, you know, he played a little bit on special teams, but he wasn't really healthy. Um, he was not really consistent in practices. There were a lot of times where there was a lot of drops, a lot of misconsistencies. Uh, he wasn't really getting to the playbook as much. You saw a little bit of him. I think it was against NC State. He, he was able to play kind of significant minutes there, but overall he's still kind of learning the offense. Um, would I say that it would be a bad move for him to transfer? No, because, you know, he has to do what's best for him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if he were to come in next season and have kind of significant time, maybe there was an opportunity there. But just as of right now with the wide receiver rotation, there's a lot to be desired at times. Uh, but – Overall, Florida State played pretty well at the receiver position, so maybe he just saw kind of a writing on the wall for him. Uh, but nonetheless, I do wish the young man a, a lot of uh, credit there. He's a very talented receiver. Uh, hopefully he ends up at a Power 5 school, um, and hopefully we kind of see him in the near future. Um, but just overall, before before I get into that, I just wanted to talk about that question real quick, uh, just to make sure that uh, there was some kind of clarity there. Um, I do think Lawrence Philly is going to be uh, utilized more this week against UMass, though. Um, just in terms of the game, I was very surprised. Um, just overall, I thought that there was a lot of moments in this game where, um, especially what Chris was talking about, we went down 10 to nothing. Uh, they had that deep play action pass uh, right down the middle. He split back to the safeties. Uh, Jerry McClellan, was, uh, he missed the uh, coverage right there. And, you know, back at the end zone, they were able to get a touchdown and make it 10 to nothing. So, you know, you had to respond from that adversity. And, you know, you saw a 12-play, 59-yard uh, drive on the first uh, touchdown drive. You know, it lasted seven minutes. You know, it was able to kind of breathe uh, the defense a little bit. They were they were really on the field for a whole lot. Um, you know, the offense threw that 10-0 lead. You know, they had two, three and outs back-to-back. You know, and how does that make your defense feel at that point? You know, your, your defense is right back on the field after that happened. And, you know, you just really needed to have something go, you know, your right way. So on that drive, you know, it's a 12 – 12-play drive, and we kind of capped that off there at the end. Uh, I think it was on the Malik McLean touchdown, if I uh, remember correctly. Uh, Shout-out to him. He had his first collegiate uh, touchdown, so that was uh, great for him. And on the next possession, we let Carolina have a three-and-out on their next possessions. It was very key for us to go out there and have that long drive, give our defense a little bit of confidence, get Thomas and also Jermaine Johnson out there to talk with the guys and 
you know, just realized what they were doing wrong in kind of situations. But, you know, then Jordan Travis goes out on, uh, I think it was on a second down play. Uh, he was able to get that 53-yard touchdown uh, run that was absolutely explosive. You know, he beat both the safeties, split, uh, split both the linebackers at the uh, second level of the defense and was able to get away from everybody. So I was very surprised that he had that much breakaway speed to get past everybody. So, um, you know, we were up 14 to 10 at that point. You're kind of figuring out everything, you know, as a defense. You know, they had a little bit of confidence going into that. You know, they had a three and out. And, you know, like Chris was talking about, the Jerry and Jones interception, that was crucial. You know, North, North Carolina was driving down the field. They were at the Florida State 30. You didn't really know what was going on in that situation. You thought, oh, man, you know, Florida State's going to allow them to get back in this game and, you know, do what they do best. And, you know, North Carolina's going to get up 17 to 14. And then, you know, Jerry and Jones, you know, he underthrew a little bit of the receiver. You know, there was a little bit to be desired there. Jerry and Jones made a great play on the ball nonetheless. So, I mean, if that was against uh, Notre Dame, uh, yeah, Florida State's DBs would have probably missed that interception. They, you know, if it was overthrown just a tad bit, I still don't think it would have called. I thought Jerry and Jones probably would have knocked it away either way. It was pretty solid coverage from him. Um, I did speak to Jerry and Jones before the season. He kind of set a high standard for his uh, kind of goals going into the season. Uh, he did have the hand wrist injury, so there was a lot to be desired there. But he did he did compliment and say that he was going to have three interceptions this season and also ten pass breakups. Thought that was very uh, very crucial. Uh, prediction for him but he had an amazing game uh you know he had some moments there I think he had only uh one or two completions completed to him uh like Chris said Jarvis Brownlee was another guy that had one completion or uh one pass uh attempt for I think it was 159 snaps that he played so very impressive from him but you know we turn around off that Jerry and Jones pick and Jordan Travis is able to find Ontario Wilson for that 32-yard touchdown Ontario Wilson was finally able to create separation, and that's something the receivers haven't been able to do this season. And you really saw a lot of positive signs there. You know, and then, you know, we were able to stop them. We were able to get the ball back, and, you know, we were able to find Keyshawn Hilton. You know, that was on that that 44-yard reception, you know, on second down and nine. He underthrew him a little bit, but, I mean, overall, you just got to get the ball out there. And ultimately, you know, he was able to get that rough in the passer call and, you know, we were able to get right right in the middle of the drive and able to cap it off with the uh, Ontario Wilson touchdown again. Uh, great separation on the, uh, I think it was on the wheel route going to the end zone. Um, Ontario Wilson did a great job in uh, securing that catch, making sure it wasn't a review there at the end and hopefully it wasn't being overturned. Um, I thought it was a great job there to go up 35 to 17. And you thought then, you know, North Carolina's sales were kind of beaten. You didn't know what to do. I mean, they were just, you know, it, they were trying to find answers, and Florida State was punching back at a, at a very good time. And that was something when I picked Florida State to lose in kind of blowout fashion. I thought that there wasn't really a way that Florida State was able to stop Josh Downs. I thought that they would be able to kind of um, throw the ball down the field at an effective rate. And that Florida State proved me wrong. Uh, yeah, Josh Downs had, had some pretty good catches in that game. But just overall, I really thought Florida State executed on a high level. Um you even saw about uh, what Chris was talking about, the Sam Howell, you know, quarterback scrambles at times. They were, you know, not containing him very well, but I think it was on a fourth down and goal. I think it was at the five-yard line, I think. Um, this was kind of a play that North Carolina drew up. They were trying to run Sam Howell up the middle for kind of a design quarterback run, RPO action. Uh, he was going to the left sideline. Um, Fabian Lovett was coming off the edge. 
kind of uh, getting that there. Kalen Wadosh did a great job there as well. Um, and, you know, he was able to force it to the left sideline where Kevin Knowles made a tremendous play on the ball to uh, secure that goal line stand there at the end. And this defense keeps coming up with goal line stands. Uh, you know, believe it or not, this defense is doing a really good job. Adam Fuller had him in great positions to be successful. So, you know, there was a couple other moments there where, you know, you thought Florida State was going to be in a bad position. They put their, you know, they got to get out of their own way sometimes. Uh, I think it was Jermaine Johnson that had a sack. I think it was on like second and 25 or something like that. It was very long. And they ended up having a sack, but they got called for a hands to the face penalty. And you're thinking, man, yeah, that's an automatic first down, you know. And then uh, Jermaine Johnson comes back on the next play and gets a four-yard sack and lets them waste more time off the clock. I thought that was very pivotal in the game. You know, that was something that, you know, if Florida State did that last year, you know, it was hands to the face, automatic first down, and then the next play they'll throw a 40-yard bomb to the end zone and score a touchdown. So I thought that was very pivotal to bounce back, you know, show some response, uh, show some effort. And then my last point I wanted to make, too, um, Chris was talking about this before uh, with the Treshawn Ward spin move off of uh, two defenders. He was able to pile through and get those five, six yards for the automatic first down on third and three to end the game and ice it. Um, but, you know, you have to think about it, too. On the same drive, about three plays before, he stepped out of bounds. Uh, he stopped the clock. He, You know, Kenny Dillingham was pissed, um, especially on his media conference. He was talking about how – you know, Treshawn Ward, you know, he was talking about how, you know, he's got to execute better. And if you're stepping out of bounds in critical moments like that, you know, what happens if you're down by, you know, if you're up by four and you step out of bounds, what's going to happen in that scenario? You know, you have to be smarter than that. Treshawn Ward responded, bounced back very nicely, got a huge run when, you know, it probably should have been stopped for a negative game. Um, I thought that was very key. Um, there was also the last thing I was going to mention, the onside kick. Um, it was a muffed uh, onside kick there for a second. Uh, great job in being able to fall on the ball, make sure to secure the catch there at the end. thought that was very pivotal because that could have in, really ended badly there. And, you know, they were down by 10. So, I mean, with two minutes left, you know, anything's possible in college football. So I thought that was very pivotal uh, for Florida State to kind of bounce back in those scenarios in the fourth quarter and not let uh, North Carolina have a game out of this. No, I I definitely agree because when he stepped out of bounds, I was definitely saying, "What are you doing?" Um, yeah, and I mean, you, you have to base it off a scenario. Uh, yep. In my opinion, though, if if you're going to do it when there's only four minutes or you're only down by four, you need to still do the same thing if you're up by twenty one. Don't go out of bounds. Yep. I mean, it yep. it doesn't make sense. But it was good to see him rebound and and do the right thing. And he, he he let his talent show up to you know fix the mental error. Um. I mean, one player that we, we both haven't mentioned a whole lot, which I think most of social media is doing a great job of it, even Spiraticus and Norvell Central. But um, Jordan Travis was in week six rated the highest uh, graded quarterback, which is usually meaning QBR. Um, he had, I want to say it was like 141 passing yards, three passing TDs. And he had 121 yards, I believe what it was, of rushing, which he set a new personal best, I know, and two rushing touchdowns. He also didn't throw a pick. He also didn't fumble the ball. Uh, no one did. Um, we didn't have very many drops because there wasn't a whole lot of passes uh, in the game. 
uh, but why pass and risk it when you're being able to move the ball the way you are when you're running it? So uh, I'm not unhappy with how much we ran the ball, even with Jordan. I didn't expect it to happen, but I wasn't I wasn't upset about it at all. When you're moving the ball that well, running the ball, keep running it until they stop it. You know, it's an old saying: don't fix what's not broken. So don't fix, don't don't change it. Um, I also want to point out: I think as a core, the offensive line deserves the most respect and kudos from this game because they did not allow one sack. Or tackle for loss. Or t- that, that, um, you know, there there was a moment there where we were really questioning Robert Scott and how healthy he was. And I know Dylan Gibbons, uh, shout out to him for winning ACC Player of the Week on the offensive line. Um, I don't even think Dylan Gibbons was the first and probably best offensive lineman of the game. Uh, I personally think that it was Robert Scott. I thought that he did a tremendous job. I thought Darius Washington played a, played a pivotal part in the uh, Treshawn Ward run. He was literally blocking his defender downfield about 20 yards down the field. So he wanted that more. Um, and you're seeing Maurice Smith, you know, he was battling through injury, and he was able to kind of fight through. Um, you know, of course, Devontae Love-Taylor had that injury there at the end. He wasn't really able to continue. Uh, he's good to go for next week. But, um, you know, Baby on Johnson stepped in. He played okay. He played average. But um, I, I still do think, like you said, that offensive line is piecing together. If healthy, it can be average, I think. Right. Um, let me see. What was it? Um, there was two, like, really <laughs> scary TDs to the wide receivers. Um the one to the very first one that was thrown to Malik, mm-hmm. that one scared me because I didn't know if he was all the way in bounds in the first place. Uh, yeah. But obviously he was after review and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the second one to I don't know who it was to, but regardless, the one the second one I'm talking about, not necessarily the second, um, not the second touchdown, but the one that was thrown in the same area where he mm-hmm. kind of bobbled the ball, and luckily he kept everything inbounds, and he he did gain control of the ball before going out of bounds. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Jordan, on that, that particular touchdown, really put that ball in there. He hung it – was, it was coming. So I didn't yeah. get too mad at the receiver. Jordan needs to take a little bit off of that one. Uh, but all in all, it was, a, it was a really good catch, way to recover and – uh, you know, just keep everything in bounds before or while catching the ball. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I really, you know, I wanted to see Corbin run the ball more because I think he's one of the, the the best that we have. Uh, but I will say uh, he's a little bit banged up, so he's not. It's not severe, but um, I will say. I've heard that he's going to be okay for the uh, UMass game. Everything's fine. Uh, they're just taking a lot of precautions. I, I think it was the lower body uh, injury there. Uh-huh. So nothing too bad. Uh, I think you kind of saw in the – I think it was in the second quarter he kind of got up a little shaken up. Uh, that was after that run. So he, he was still fighting through contact. He was still okay. But you saw a little bit more of Ward in the second half because of that. Um but it shouldn't be anything concerning. Um, I don't think it's any, any setbacks or anything like that. But 
really do think that um, it, if possible, maybe Corbin has like five or six carries against UMass, and that'll probably be it for his time. You know, so that way they can kind of rest him up for Clemson. Right. Uh, but he's fine from what I've heard. Um, nothing, nothing too bad with that. So. So, as far as I mean, we have to say something about Wilson. Uh, the other wide receiver that was open. I yeah. mean, he scored two TDs. So yeah, uh, and he's a what is he a red shirt or is he a true freshman? No, he is a. Are you talking about Ontario Wilson? Yeah, he is a. I want to say a red shirt sophomore, red shirt junior. I, I think he's a. I want to say junior, but I could be wrong. Has um, he been at Florida State for a minute? If I remember, I think. Let me let me look real quick. But uh, he played tremendous. Yeah. Uh, I thought that he was able to create separation. He is a redshirt junior. Junior. Well, technically a junior, probably. Uh, I don't think the redshirt really matters. At that point. Him. I don't think he has been redshirted. Um, but, yeah, he, he has played really well. Um, overall, I thought that he was a solid contributor for this team like in preseason. I thought Keyshawn Helton was going to be kind of the leader there. Um, I did want to mention, too, it was very odd that we didn't see Andrew Parchman. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, kind of like we talked about in this uh, podcast before. I, I really don't know if he's really getting it consistently, and that's been his main issue. Is just you know being able to kind of progress the play. Norvell's offense is very complex, and from a lot of people I talk to, there there's a lot of intricacies that you just don't really know what to do with, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people may be a little bit confused from Norfell's offense, just, just learning it from a first-time perspective. And when you're coming from a program like Kansas that really hasn't developed any kind of winning success or winning culture or even, uh, you know, just technically, uh, technique-wise, just all the way there, um, it could be giving him some bits. But hopefully he's able to turn it around. But I think you may see this rotation of, you know, you know Helton, Wilson, you know, also McClain, uh, you may put in a little bit Darian Williamson at times. You've seen that a little bit over the time. Don't know why they're not putting in Ja'Kai Douglas. Still kind of weirded out by that. Not not sure what's going on with that situation. Um, I did want to mention, too, and this is one positive that nobody's not even talked about this at all. Um, you know, Jordan – or not Jordan, Travis. Uh, Travis Shea had a huge uh, 41-yard uh, kickoff return that mm-hmm. nobody's talking about. Went mm-hmm. all the way to the 40-yard line and – that's the longest you know kickoff return we've seen this year. Minus the Corey Wren, I think he got to the 35 when he fumbled the ball against Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a kickoff return past those two go past the 30 No, uh, this season. The special teams, um, I mean, punt-wise um, and coverage, yeah. uh, and obviously that kickoff return, that one – I don't have a problem with guys not or or with them fair catching it so we get it at the twenty, twenty five, whatever it is. Uh, well, um Papuchis was talking about in his media conference, uh what day was that? That may have been last week that he was he was addressed that. Um he was talking about how and he went to this whole rant. Uh, it was a question he got asked or something like that. And he was saying, you know, why, why do we be so? Why are we so aggressive when we're coming out of these kickoff returns? You know, we see the percentages, we see what we're doing on terms of that. You know, we we test ourselves and challenge ourselves because we know what we're able to do. And of course, it may be easy to get it and fair catch it at the twenty-five. But what advantage are you really having at that point? 
you know, we believe in our guys. You know, we understand that, you know, that there is a significant advantage there. So he even talks about even if you're bringing it out and getting it to the 23, you're only really losing two yards and you're given that potential of being able to break free. You know, all it takes is one block and you're basically going to the end zone. So it's really just finding consistency. And a lot of people are talking about, too, with our special teams, uh, especially some of the uh, the blockers up front that we have. And even on, on a kickoff, you know, we're – we're not really coming aggressively in some of those blocks and uh, making some of those tackles. So we have to do a better job. Um, it's frustrating because, you know, he talks about that too, is they've spent so much time on special teams. They've, they've poured their heart into special teams and put some of their best players on special teams. I think even Jarvis Brownlee was on special teams and Travis Jay and, you know, all those guys. Lord. And, you know, you're really seeing the fruits of their labor. And, like, you know, you've got to see that come through and, it hasn't come through yet for Florida State, but that was a promising sign to see a 40-yard uh, kickoff return, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, I would say that on a lot of the, the running plays, even for for <clears throat> Travis, I, there was this really good blocking, even on the outside with wide receivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Malik's always done a really good job at blocking, uh, you know, this season so far. But I seen Helton actually make a block. You know, he's a smaller frame guy. He's not yeah. nothing huge, but he laid a pretty good block. Um, and I do agree with a lot of these guys um, that I've seen posting on Twitter and Facebook and and such. Anyway, they, I think that I agree with if someone chop blocks, that should be targeting just as well as when a defensive player's helmet to helmet. Because, man, you're talking about some of the worst injuries ever happening on a chop block. Yeah. And we've seen it a couple of times against North Carolina. Uh, once it was called, the other two times it wasn't, I guess, because it was kind of suspect whether it was really a chop block, but to yeah. me it was. Um, and I can't remember who that was on. Who who was that on? Was that on Cooper or Lovett or one of those guys in the middle? It was um, on Cooper, and he came out that play, the very next play, because it, it, he was limping when he got up. Yeah, because, I mean, they had a high-low action. It was, you know, it's fine hitting low if, you know, if it, if it comes to it. Sometimes you have to hit low in certain blocking schemes. But, you know, there was a guy coming up top, you know, and pushing him backwards. So, basically, his momentum was just all over the place. Right. So, very dangerous. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, another thing that I would like to, to I guess, bring up, like I said, our, our linebackers need to do a lot better. Um, just – and cover I mean really in every aspect of what they're supposed to do but I want to give Amari Gaynor a little bit of credit because even though there wasn't uh, a number of tackles really but none were for a tackle for loss but there was definitely two where he had gotten a hold of the wide receiver uh and one was where he got a hold of um the running back if he wouldn't if he wouldn't have got them from behind they would have went for another 15 20 yards possibly all the way to the house so, I mean, saving a play uh, isn't always look. We're all like, God, y'all let them get the first down. You, you, sometimes you got to look at what it could have been if that person wouldn't have made that play. I think Amari has really improved uh, this last game on wrapping up and tackling. Beforehand, we've seen him do a lot of shoulder bouncing off of people and they stay up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed with his ability to wrap up uh, this past week against North Carolina. Uh, I think he deserves credit on that because he hasn't been doing it and I know that they've been working with those fundamentals with him um and to kind of answer your question about about 
um, I think it's Parchment is who you were talking about. Well, we didn't yeah. see him. I know that the previous week up to the game that he was limited in practice. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't hear what type of injury or why he was limited. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do know that he went very – well, supposedly they went very deep into the playbook with him uh, to get him ready, uh, expecting him to be able to go in and play. But for whatever reason, we didn't see him play at all. Um, and you had said something about Douglas, why we haven't seen him a whole lot. Yeah. Douglas is having, I think, just as many problems with the playbook as Parchman is, which I expect from mm-hmm. Douglas because he's young. Um, and I think he was more set up for, even though the only touchdown pass he's got is from Travis, he was more set up to be a receiver for Milton on a lot of the hitch mm-hmm. routes, a lot of the the quick slants. And we don't do that a whole lot with Travis, which we've noticed. Um but I don't know why we did, why we haven't seen him. I mean, it's not like he's illiterate to the entire playbook. Um, so I'm not real sure the reason behind us not seeing him. But a couple of games ago, I didn't see Malik at all. And it was I hardly seen him. I think when he was playing Wake yeah. Forest, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't target him if he was playing. So obviously, I didn't know he was there. Um, but other than that, I. Deloach is probably going to be our best linebacker coming up in the in the next few years, in my opinion. Unless we get some just beast out of the transfer portal. Um, but I really like the way that that kid plays. I don't think I saw him as much as I wanted to against North Carolina. Um, I yeah. saw a lot more of Amari. Not that that's mm-hmm. why, but I seen Lundy quite a bit as well. Uh, but especially when they started running the ball against us well. Even their halfback started getting uh, yards on us, which we knew going into the game that wasn't their memo. That's not what they usually do. They don't usually run the ball a whole lot. They'll do it a little bit to open up that pass, but it wasn't it wasn't as much as they tried to run against us. I think they ran against us mm-hmm. more than they did anybody. Um, yeah, and, and that's really saying something for the secondary because that's what that's what you were worried about. That's why your score prediction was what it was. You thought we were going to get burned a lot. And yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say that I was worried about it. It just depended on what Florida State secondary showed up. Um, luckily, it was the one that I hoped would show up. But you kept texting me throughout the game, and yeah. we was texting yeah. back and forth. Um, and, and, and everybody that's watching, we're extremely critical. And I mean, like literally every play. Yeah, we yeah. noticed the weirdest things that someone's not doing. Even though the play went our way, we still noticed something. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, And I think that's the way that you give an accurate analysis of someone or what happened in a particular play. Like where he pointed out that Ward stepped out of bounds. A lot of people didn't talk about it except for Dillingham. A lot of people didn't bring it up. As soon as he did it, I I lost it a little bit. Um I mean, I was literally texting another guy that goes back and forth with me. I was like, why did he think it to go out of bounds? Where, where did that come from? So a, a lot of fans, you know, yes, I agree. A win's a win. I don't care how ugly or pretty it is. As long as you win, it, it's worth it. But obviously you want to see him progress. I think from the previous week where we played Syracuse, which we didn't did, – we didn't do a post on Syracuse, did we? We – Or did we? 
I yeah, think. Yeah, we did. I think. Okay. Yeah, we did. But I would say, would we have total Taylor five penalties in the North Carolina game? Yeah, that was all we had. Uh, and it, like we talked about before, I mean, Florida State has been dramatically decreasing their penalties, and that was something you know through basically the the Notre Dame game. You know, they had seven. Jacksonville State, they had eleven. Wake Forest, they had nine. I mean, you, and this wasn't just seven little small penalties. No, this was seven like huge, like game changing, game altering penalties that you cannot have. Right. I mean, yes, Florida State had the hands to the face penalty, like I talked about, but they were able to generate uh, enough momentum off that. You didn't see a whole lot of false starts. Um, I think Dylan Gibbons was the only one that had that one false start penalty. Um, I don't think we we may have had one holding call, but I I don't remember if we did on that one. We had one on a run for like Ward probably got eleven and it was called back. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, what was on the other one. Uh, we we had one that was uh, was it lineman downfield or something like that? I think so. I think that's and what it was. It was receiver downfield or something yeah. something like that to that effect. Um, it was very uh, – the penalties were just all over the place. Uh, but the thing was is Florida State, kind of like we mentioned in this in this podcast before, Florida State's not killing themselves with penalties and turnovers. And, you know, they didn't have any turnovers. They, they didn't have any tackles for loss allowed, sacks. I mean, you only had five penalties for I think it was 50 yards. So it wasn't something that was – you know, crucial to your success. I mean, there was no plays where you were down second and 20 or second and 25. You know, you were able to generate enough offense. Kind of like what we talk about all the time. It's like making sure that first and second down is critical so that way you're third and short. Um, unfortunately, Jordan Travis, I think it was on the first play or first possession at a halftime, it was third and five. You know, you thought he was able to get that design quarterback run. He missed it by a yard, you know, what, what would have happened if it was third and three in that right, situation? Right. Maybe they should have lined themselves up better to, to get in that third and short situation instead of third and medium. Uh, this offense is, isn't really generated for third and nine, um, unless you're Keyshawn Hilton, and, or I think it was third and 12. Uh, if you're, unless you're Keyshawn Hilton and you go left side line over there and toe tap, uh, and basically you're, you're good to go from the catch, even if it's in the NFL. Um, very impressive by him to create a lot of separation. And that was what I was most critical about. These receivers weren't really following the quarterback. They weren't coming back to the football like you would in high school. Uh, this is something that you get taught at an early age. And a lot of these kids are just learning a lot of things, and everything's coming really fast at them. And I think they're finally getting the mission and the objective to what we're doing um, and kind of trusting Norvell's process. And you've seen Coach Norvell, whether it's been that we're 0-4 or now that we're 2-4 and and going into UMass, the message has been clear. These guys are bought in. These guys want to win. These guys are going to try to win and try to be their hardest. Um, I'm not going to say eight and four is um, realistic. I guess you could say or attainable for for my um, thing. I think there's a lot of work to be done just on terms of of uh, getting the program right on the back track. But I mean, eight and four. If you told this team you had a chance to go eight and four, this team is going to be able to at least try their hardest. Uh, they they'll never give up and. That was something that last year's Florida State team, if you told them they're down 20 points, they're just going to crawl up and, and fold. Uh, and this is something this team is not doing. So that's good. I mean, I don't know if we have enough in the tank to beat Clemson. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. 
Uh, it's going to be a tough road environment, so that's always going to be a tough environment to go through. But at the end of the day, this Florida State team doesn't give up, and it's something that's great to cheer on. Uh, you know, even though there's struggles of, of Wake Forest, I know that was kind of a bad loss, but and I know Jacksonville State was something that you don't really um, need. Um, but I want to ask you, I want to bring this question up to you. So I ended up making my uh, record prediction. So basically before, um, or I guess going to the Clemson game, I predicted that Florida State would be going 5-2. and two. Um, With us going into the bye week and, and getting into UMass and possibly going to be 3-4 and four going into that Clemson game, hopefully, um, how do you think the perception of like the program is uh, going through this game? Um, would you rather have have won against Jacksonville State and lost against uh, UNC, or do you think this was just kind of the right situation where that Jacksonville State game kind of woke us up in a sense to uh, to kind of battle back and kind of learn how to fight through adversity? I would say that I'm probably better with the scenario that's played out. Reason being is because Jacksonville gave them a piece of humble pie. Yeah. Um, and with doing so, because they were so high off of that Notre Dame uh, mm-hmm. loss in moral-wise, uh, and then them getting that humble pie with Jacksonville, I personally like the fact that we played really hard against uh, Syracuse. Um, and I was going to bring that up a little bit. Syracuse is not as bad as I think we all thought they were. The reason I say that is because of how well they just did against Wake Forest this past weekend. Now, is that a little bit that Wake Forest kind of did what we did with them and played them lightly? Um, Possibly, but at least the young men on the Syracuse team take advantage of whatever the team gives them. Uh, Because at one point, I didn't know if Wake Forest was going to come back and win that game. Uh, So, I I don't think Syracuse's win looks as bad as I thought it was going to. Um, I think it looks a little bit better because they're actually being competitive in what in games that they're playing. Um, and I think with us beating UNC at, you know, on a true road game, um, and we were a 17 point, 17 and a half point underdog. And we went out and beat them by 10. Um, and, and that being the week after all the adversity that they had to battle through to, you know, pull off the win against Syracuse. I, I really think that the improvement at this part of the season um, is the scenario I would have went with. I mean, would I have said that I want us to lose any of the games? No. But in the scenario of what you just gave me, whether win against Jacksonville State, lose against UNC, I mean, obviously I hate it for the program that we haven't ever lost to an FCS team, and that's probably going to go down in history um, yeah. in most cases as the worst loss. But I'll take that the worst loss with us to finish this season out uh, a seven and five, or an eight and four group, versus us winning that game and then losing against UNC, then Clemson, possibly Miami, possibly Boston yeah. College. Because I mean, like you said, and I still agree with you. In the beginning, when you gave your uh, record prediction, this that last five game stretch is still going to be it's still not be easy. Yeah, it, it's still going to yeah. be a it's it's a task. Um, I even posted something about King for Miami. Uh, I hate to see him get hurt. I really hate to um, that the young man's not going to be able to play the rest of the season. Yeah. 
and, and I don't know how well Garcia is behind him. I don't know if he's that great. Yeah. But I guess it'll be a second start this season um, when they yeah. play us. So possibly his third. I don't know which one. But regardless, uh, I'm I'm really impressed with if we can get our offense moving like they're moving. I I have a I have a gut feeling that we can play with it. Who's re- who's left? I mean, yeah, Kentucky's not much of an offense uh, that came down and beat Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think our offense is definitely as good, if not better, than Kentucky's. Our defense is definitely not as good as Kentucky's yet, um, in my opinion. I think yeah. Kentucky's defense is is what they're riding on with that. They're five and zero, and I think that's mostly because of their defense. I was actually going to pick Kentucky to upset Georgia until I found out two of their defensive linemen starters are going to yeah. be out. And it was a little bit crazy to pick Kentucky to beat them anyway, um, but. I mean, hey, you might as well. <laughs> but at this point, you know, I hate to just, I hate to say this because I I, I didn't I never wanted to see uh, Jimbo Fisher beat Nick Saban. Yeah. Um. So, but I did predict the Texas A&M was going to give him a hell of a game, and yeah, I think Texas A&M almost messed up, and let them come back and win that game, mm-hmm. and that last series their defense stood up and stopped it, but. I don't want to get too yeah. much on another team. I'm I'm just pulling up what. Yeah. Guys, I mean, as soon as we get the win against UNC, okay, short lived. It was definitely short lived, in my opinion, because you know, while Florida State goes into uh, Chapel Hill and gets the win over their 17 and a half point underdog, you know, or whatever they were. Yeah. And literally three and a half hour later, Texas A&M drops number one Alabama. I was like, well, there goes our headlines. They're gone. Yeah. So. Um, um, I was going to get into a little bit too before I forgot. There was a couple of followers that I had when I posted that I was going to go live uh, just in terms of some of that. They wanted to hear a little bit of recruiting news, so 